know a lot of people here are traveling and gone. Um, we were down with my family in San Antonio area, made it back um, for this Sunday. I, I know Pastor Rich and uh, Donna went this morning to take Sterling to the airport in Love Field, Dallas area, and they're, I'm sure, on their way back. Um, and so I have the privilege of starting the new series today, BC. Now, I give him a hard time because it seems like every time I preach lately, he makes me start series, which I told him is the hardest time to preach is the one of the first one, you know? Um, but it, no, I'm, I'm blessed to get to do this today. If you guys don't know me, my name is Alan Motes. I'm the uh, campus minister, one of the campus ministers. I should stop saying the. Uh, I am one of the campus ministers here at Grace Point. And um, the other ones? Yeah, we've got many other ones um, The God's raising up. We, um, this morning we're starting a new series called BC. Now, it's, 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 it's a Christmas series. It is meant to take us up to Christmas and really focus us, kind of like what we're doing with Advent. Um, and the idea of this series is that it's going to help us discover the magnitude of God's great love for us as evidenced in his sacrifice on the cross. Okay, um, Today I get to talk about the God who became man. And next week you have the privilege, as we talked about, hearing Pastor Brian Taylor um, from our church, our Every Nation Church up in Cincinnati is going to be down, and he's going to be preaching on the shepherd who became a lamb. It's going to be really powerful. Then we have the children's program, which is going to be an awesome time of celebration. And then last but not least, Pastor Rich will finish the series with the king who became a servant. So let's take, this is what I'd like to do today. Um, let's take a moment to align our minds with what we are really studying today. Okay, Um, the point of this new series, BC, is to ready us for the Christmas season so we can live it out well. Now, like I said before, the idea is to help us discover the magnitude of God's great love for us, which we see in his sacrifice on the cross. So what I'm going to challenge us to do today is let's slow down and ponder this for a minute. Because I think sometimes, I don't know about you guys, I do, sometimes I think we miss the magnitude of this truth, that God became man. Right? And I think sometimes we miss how critical understanding this truth is in order to understand the fullness of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and ultimately how much our Creator loves each and every one of us. That God became man, that the creator of the universe chose to become a man in the form of a baby, born into no pomp and circumstance, but into extremely humble and lowly situation, lived this perfect life we should have lived, died the death we deserve to die in our place, rose on the third day, proving he was God, and get offering life and eternal life, for that matter, relationship with God to all those who would repent and believe. Okay. We know this, but let's think about the idea of that the creator became the lowest form of the most helpless form a human can be, right? A newborn. For us, because he loved us. If we don't understand that, the death of Jesus, I think, loses some of its, it never loses any power for what he did with us, but I think some of our understanding can lose a little bit of the oomph and power of if we don't understand that he came. Wilf, willingly left the seat of eternity, of deity, equality with God, it says, that he did not think of something to be grasped, but humbled himself and took the very nature of a servant and came and died for us. So I think you guys know this, but the baby Jesus in the manger is so much bigger than a quick remembrance 
each year at December 25th, or a bunch of Christmas songs. Or as you've seen in Ricky Bobby, right, and um, Talladega, what is it called, Talladega? Uh, dear, you know, six pounds, seven ounce, baby Jesus, you know, they're praying to him like, this isn't like that, right? The fact that he came as a child and a baby in the most helpless and needy of states, state, to me, shows the power and magnitude of the creator becoming creation. That's powerful. And if we don't take time to step back and look at that, I think we miss something. And, and we know it's bigger than just some songs or a nativity scene in our yard that looks kind of cool. Um, a story to tell about shepherds or a great star, a manger, angels singing. This is one of the most pivotal moments in all of history that changed the course of history. King Herod committed genocide to kill the male babies born to wipe out this new king of the Jews, this Messiah. This is how serious and big this event was. They had been waiting for the coming of the Messiah for thousands of years. They had known about it. This is why when angels would show up and sing to the the shepherds, they would run to a manger to look for a baby. What has happened? The Messiah is here. Wow. Why God would warn Magi not to go back and tell Herod where the baby was. You know, years later, as he, he was probably like a toddler's age by the time they got to him. I know the manger showed him there with him, but he wasn't. Um, but did not go back because this is, you know, there was something bigger going on here. Like, th- you start to go down the story and you look and go, this is not just a nice story to tell. That we get to celebrate and sing some hymns or maybe some Christmas songs. One of the most pivotal moments that changed all of history. And it changed my history and it changed yours because the Creator chose to become the created and die for us. That's huge. Before I say anything else today, I wanted us to slow down and ponder that. Let's pray as we get started. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. They came will, willingly to die for each and every one of us so that we may know you. Lord, we just pray today as we study that you help us learn. Help us that it not would just be a head knowledge, but revelation in our hearts that we live from. And we seal this time. Give me your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the title of this series, like I've said a bunch of times, is BC. But this comes from the designation of time. I'm sure you guys understand that. Um, it literally means before Christ. Okay, um, and this numbered the years before Christ's birth, and then after we, when, they, when we see A.D. used, which is Anno Domini, the year of our Lord is what that literally means in Latin, and it numbered the years after his birth. Sometimes when you're reading, you'll see um, B.C.E. or B.E., um, which is before, the com- before Common Era, or sorry, C.E., this other one, or Common Era, but... In the church world, what, what I love is that his birth was so critical that throughout most of time, we have changed our calendars based on the moment that this child came to the world. Okay? Now, other people have tried to come up with other words to use the timing because they don't want to have all of our calendars determined by the birth of Jesus. But this was before Christ. And then there's the year of our Lord, which is what we're still in now, A.D., Right? So the series comes with this idea of expectancy that before Christ, they're waiting for this. And so... We have to remember that this is designed to help us understand the magnitude of God's love for us by sending Christ and his death for us. See, about 700 years before Jesus was born, God promised to give his people a sign. 
to perform the impossible that a virgin shall have a son and the son will be God dwelling with us as a man. Okay, um, which this takes us to our main text today. This promise, what I'm talking about, the, it's about 700 years or so before. It's from Isaiah 7. We're going to look at just at verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This, though this verse is one of the most quoted passages, especially during Christmas time, we don't always understand, I think, what it means fully. Now, we understand what it means. We obviously know Isaiah the prophet is prophesying and foretelling about the birth of Jesus. But let's do this a little bit, do some justice to this. I want to, there's so much going on here we could talk about, but let's do some justice to the prophet Isaiah's words here by briefly looking at the context of this prophecy, what this prophecy came out of. Because knowing what it meant then and the promise it foretold are important to understanding power of what Isaiah is saying. Okay, now let's go back for a second. Um, there's so much going on in this Isaiah passage. If you go into chapter 7, start in verse 10, actually you can go back before that and you start reading of what's going on before and after this. Um, but let me give you guys the basic situation. Let me summarize this. The basic situation is the king of Judah, Ahaz, and the people of Israel are fe- facing the threat of Syria. And you see them in in verse 11 and 12, right preceding this, Isaiah is giving him the chance to put his faith in the Lord. And and he says, ask God for a sign. He's telling the king, ask God for a sign. Meaning, if, if, if the prophet's telling you, ask God for something, God really wants you to ask him for it. Because he wants to give it to you. Okay, But he's saying, ask God for a sign that he is with them and to strengthen their faith. Because they're facing much opposition and it's a really rough time. Okay, But Ahaz refuses and instead puts his faith in the king of Assyria. He says, no, I'm not going to ask God. I don't want to trouble him with that. Um, And he turns to the king of Assyria for help to attack the Syrians. And it comes at a great price for them because later on you see that he has to pay large tributes to the king of Assyria and they become a vassal kingdom under the Assyrian Empire for a long time. Now, and then others take over, and it's just the cycle happens, and then you see the falls of the kingdoms. But uh, as scary as that, this could preach in so many ways, but that's not the sermon we're dealing with today. But they became under the control of the enemy because they didn't want to ask God for the sign. But instead, oh, I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust in this other king, this other person. And so, what Isaiah does, which is pretty interesting, is that. In the verses that follow, 13 and 14, and the one that we read, Isaiah addresses the house of David, meaning all of Israel, all the kings, all the people, God's people through Isaiah. And he's saying, even though you won't ask for a sign for me or put your trust in me for rescue, for redemption, for life, etc., I, God, am still going to give you a sign anyways that will change all of eternity. Now, they're not going to see it firsthand, the guys that Isaiah is talking to, because, well, they refuse at that point. But he's saying, even when you don't want it, I still have a plan to redeem and change every one of your course and all of history. You won't ask me for a sign, but I'm good, and I'm going to give it to you anyways. See, there's a whole other sermon you could preach there about the loving father that God is, that even when we mess our own lives up or we don't want to ask, he still comes in and takes care of us. 
Even when we, while we were still sinners, right, Christ died for me. That even when I don't ask for it, it says even by the Holy Spirit that I can even say Jesus is Lord. He does everything and supplies everything for us to know him and love him and walk in relationship with him. And so even in these moments when the kings won't follow and Isaiah is begging him, saying, ask God for a sign. He's like, fine. House of David, you guys won't do it, but I'm still going to give you a sign anyways. And then, and then Isaiah says, says the most famous, one of the most famous prophecies of all time, that therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. And behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. I think sometimes, this is why this first candle can be called the candle of prophecy. Because, and we still believe in this church that prophecy is alive and well today and God wants to speak through people. And you see what happens to the prophets where he's telling them this stuff. Isaiah did not know God's plan. He just was a mouthpiece for God and he's speaking in advance. And you see hundreds of years, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, God knew what he was doing. I, when I sat there and I was, I was really thinking about this, and I, I don't know how to really put this in words, but it makes my, my love for God and my trust of God ultimately in his sovereignty so much grow so much more when you really start to see that he knows what he's doing, that he plans it for thousands of eternity. He knew. And, and, and he already knows where your life's supposed to go and what's going to happen with you, and he already has a plan laid out. I would challenge you to guys today, ask for a sign from him. Ask for him to show you where he wants to take you because he wants to walk with you. Eternal life is this, Jesus said, that they may know God. So when he gave us eternal life, it was that you could literally walk in knowledge of God in relationship with him. It's not just that you're going to live forever. That life apart from God is no life at all, and life with him is eternal life. It is very much the very core of who we are and what we need. And so as you look at this, you go, okay, I read that passage. Let's go back to it. It's on the screen. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel. Now, we know Emmanuel is, it means God is with us or God with us. It could be translated either way. God is with us is the message of the sign he's talking about. And the sign is the Jesus' virgin birth. I'm going to give you a sign. It's that I'm going to come and be born of a virgin as a baby, the creator. And the message of that sign is, I'm with you. God is with us. Wow. In the midst of the the Israelites feeling like they had been abandoned from God and they went to other sources, he's still saying, I never let you and I'm always with you. But I'm going to send myself so I can permanently be with you through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm off the notes a bit here, but you guys are understanding this? Like, that's powerful. And so God is with us. The sign is, I'm going to come, and the message is, you're, I'm with you. Um, and so in, in, you have to understand this in Hebrew where it talks about here is that to say that God is with someone or a people means that God is guiding and helping them to fulfill their calling. Because I don't know about you guys, nothing I do works apart from God. This is why Moses would say, I'm not going unless you're going with us. Because I want you with me, which means you're going to guide me, You're going to help me fulfill the calling you've already planned for me long before I was born. That is the kind of promise we have is that he's with you and he's guiding you. The truth is God is always with us. And he has a greater plan 
and purpose behind all that he does. And I've said this over and over, but I want to remind you guys of this. Let nothing else, if nothing else, I mean, there's a bunch of things to sink in, but this is one of those truths you have to understand is that he's behind all that he's, he's, he has plans, he has purposes, and all that he does, he's going to see to have completion. He knows what his plan are. And, the, and his greatest plan has always been, and this is one of the things that really um, kind of brought me to tears as I was pre- preparing for this sermon, was that his greatest plan has always been, and it will always be, the redemption of all mankind. Does that make sense? The redemption of all mankind is the greatest thing Jesus came for. It's the greatest thing God and the Trinity ever conceived, is that we want them with us. We want to be with them. God is with us. And so he says, I want to redeem all mankind, and I'm going to bring them back into relationship with me. Invite them back to the table, into the family, adopted in. Which is why Matthew, when writing his account of the birth of Christ, shows the fulfillment of God's promise by quoting Isaiah. From hundreds of years before, let's look at that in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22. Should be on the screen for you guys. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So he directly quotes Isaiah to bring it full circle to remind the people years ago this was spoken. And this is what they had been waiting for desperately because you have to understand before this they had been Israel had been through they had been through the ringer. They had been exiled and different kingdoms in control of them and they, they Rome has power now. And they're desperately wanting this Messiah to come to be a king to take it all over and so they're ready. Now, it wasn't exactly what they had in mind, how Jesus planned to come, and what kind of fulfillment of this prophecy he had in mind, which we know now, in retrospect, was to die and to redeem all people to a permanent kingdom eventually, not a temporary kingdom in their time. And so this this is why you see them so excited when they hear about the Messiah, and why some rejected him because they're like, this isn't the Messiah we had in mind. This is what we thought. And so I want to challenge us as we're in this Christmas season, what kind of expectancy do we have about the second coming of Jesus? Because I think sometimes in the Christian church, it's been 2,000 plus years since Jesus died. And I think if you look at the early church, they expected Jesus could come any day. That's what they thought. Like, Lord, they used to finish almost every prayer with something of the nature of, Lord, come quickly. And I think sometimes we don't really want him to come back that quickly. Or we get kind of lulled into like, well, it's been a while, so we don't forget about it. Now, when I say we don't want them to, I used to always want to be like, God, let me get married first. Let me have some kids. Let me do, experience all these things. Then you come back. But the truth is, if he came back, I'm not going to care about anything else. Like, all right, you're here. Let's go. Um, this is exciting. And so, you know, I'd love to see my daughters grow up and have, live lives of calling and purpose for the Lord. But if Jesus comes back, Lord, come quickly. Let me have an expectancy that I, I want you more than anything else that could happen. And on top of that, I want you exactly how you want to show up, not what envision I had for how y'all want you to show up in my life. Whether that's in the continual walk I have with God or the ultimate second coming that, we're, that we celebrate with the Advent, where we, we have an expectancy and celebrate his first, but we're also expecting his second come, his second coming. You guys, but I think sometimes we're like, well, I have this idea of how I want you to do this. And God, Jesus is saying, no, I already fulfilled it. I've got a plan, and it's perfect. Expect great things in me. Be excited about what you're doing. And so 
let me find myself in the notes here. Now, when we look at this passage, the Matthew passage, Behold, the virgins are conceived and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, the virgin would have a son? That's impossible, right? Right? No one, that's never been done before or after. Um, God would become a man? Impossible. Some struggled with this because, like, how's that? No, God doesn't want to become a man. Like, that seems, some people could not stand the idea that he would lower himself to that place. And it and, and, and means like, oh, is this God worth worshiping? And I go, no, the God that would do that is worship, worth worshiping beyond. Some God that would sit hoity-toity above all of us and say, like, worship me, I'm better than every one of you. Although he is and deserves our praise because he's mighty and holy and amazing. He said, I became one of you. So you have this high priest who understands you and who you are. Like when you start to look at the scriptures and how all this places together and you put it in connection with the birth of Christ and Christmas, you start to go, this is so much more than nativity or just a baby in the manger. There's something powerful that changed all of history in the birth of Jesus. And I have really been convicted about how I approach Christmas as I prepared for this sermon. Um, it's impossible, right? He would become a man. A holy God would save sinful man and take his place on the cross? Impossible. What's interesting is that these are all impossible with man, but they have all been made possible by God because Jesus chose to become a man and dwell with us and sacrifice himself for us. Through the Holy Spirit, he is with us now, and he will always be with us. Like, that's the great thing is when he went back, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to dwell with you, and you're going to, meaning we never lost relationship or connection. He's maybe not physically walking with us, but he is with us every day through the Spirit. Now, that's, that's pretty amazing because it, didn't, it, it literally started here, and it's never stopped, the, the idea that God's presence is with all of those who repent and believe, all those who follow him. Now, um, this is one of the truths we want to walk away today is nothing is impossible for God, and anything he starts, he will see finished. I think that's part of the reason that he came like he did is to prove this is nothing man could do. This is me. This is God. This is my plan. Now, if we look at chapter um, 19 of Luke, I think this is going to give us a little bit of a clear. um, Here's something I want to focus in on today um, as we understand the magnitude of Jesus being born and him coming. It says, for the Son of Man, this is Jesus talking of himself. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Or some translations to say, basically, to seek and save that which was lost. So when they're asking him, why did you come? He said, this is why I came. This is why I was willing to become a baby and to be born in the time I did and all the situations that we've been working. And you see this in the scripture that we have to, sometimes we have to be careful. This is a little tangent I'm going to go on. To like make a whole theology of a verse or something, we have to look at the whole voice of scripture. We have to look the Old Testament, the New, all this stuff, because everything in the Scriptures we see points to the ultimate redemption plan of Jesus. It points to Christ and how man couldn't do it on their own, how much we needed this. And then it talks about Jesus when he was here, and everything else points back to him from that point on. It all revolves around him. It's all about how we live now and his second coming and what you see in the New Testament. We have to understand the whole thing to really understand the magnitude of it. And this is something that I really, as I study this and I look at this going, this statement here was conceived well before Isaiah ever prophesied about it or before Jesus was born or before, obviously it was before he died. He knew, I came to seek and save that which was lost. 
by the fall, by sin, by severing of relationship, if you will. And it brings us back to God in this mighty moment of a baby being born and then living this perfect life we should have lived and then dying the death we deserved in our place. That is amazing. As I was preparing for this, any campus student can tell you, basically all I preach is the gospel now. Uh, (laughs) No, I just repeat it. Really the truth of it is, and I was talking about the voice of Scripture, everything is the gospel. All of it leads, and it revolves around the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's no surprise to me, as I'm preparing a Christmas message, about the God who became man and dwelt among us is really going to be all talking about the gospel. Um, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. God always keeps his promises. So when you look back to the sign he gave them, that this virgin would conceive a son and you should call him Emmanuel, which means God's with us. This was the sign, and it was a promise that said that he gave him. And he, and he fulfilled that promise, and Jesus fully walked it out and completed the promise. Okay? And so the cool thing is, and we're going to look at this in Galatians 4 through 5, it's that he has perfect timing. Why it was 2,000 years ago, I don't fully understand. Why couldn't it have been now? I don't know. Like, that stuff I don't want to... I mean, there are explanations to that that we could talk about. But ultimately, none of us really, in our understanding, fully understand the magnitude and the, and the knowledge that God has in his plans. It's so much beyond what we can imagine. So exactly why he did it like this, I could try to explain, but I don't fully know. But what I can tell you is that he knew exactly the timing and how he wants to do it. Which is, tells me, I'm not going to really stress and worry about the end time when he's coming back. I'll study it, we'll look at it, but he knows when he's coming back. And so in the meantime, let's be found faithful, worshiping him and spreading his kingdom and his gospel to people. Because as you look at this, his timings are perfect. Galatians 4, verse 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons and daughters. I'm thankful that he has perfect timing. This goes back to the idea of trusting him fully because he knows exactly the timing and the, and, the, and the ways he wants to do everything in our lives. And he's never late. He's never early. He's exactly when he intends to be. That's powerful. And so as we look at this, this was God's plan way before Isaiah ever prophesied about it. This is why he was born. And we are, this is why we are called to remember him at Christmas. In the weeks that come, like I said, we're going to be looking more into what this meant for Christ. Like I said, next week, Pastor Brian's going to be talking about the shepherd who became a lamb. And then we'll have the kids program, and Pastor Rich will talk about the king who became a servant. This is why we're doing Advent this year, and we're going to continue to start developing that tradition as that we would remember Jesus properly at Christmas. Just like when we do Communion or any other sacrament that draws us to remembrance. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with that idea here is that as we study these things, I think it's going to help us, like I said, the whole series purpose to understand and discover the magnitude of God's great love for us as we see in his sacrifice on the cross. And it started when he came. So let's look at this. Um, worship team, if you guys want to come up as I close. If we're not careful, the things of Chris, the Christmas season, right? How many of you guys, last night I went outside to get our boxes of decorations out of the, the um, cabinets. 
And honestly, we don't have that many, which I'm thankful for. Uh, but <laughs> I'm sure we'll accumulate more as we, um, because this is the first Christmas ever that we're going to actually be at our house. And we usually travel, so it's my excuse, like, we don't need to decorate anything because we're not going to be here. Um, not this year. Um, so, uh, but if you guys notice, you guys know these things. Like, you, you start to, if we're not careful, the things of the Christmas season and the holidays can get us very distracted. Got to buy the presents, Black Friday. I mean, did you see the videos of the crazy stuff that was happening this year? Uh, I'm like, good Lord, people. Um, we can get distracted. Um, I'm, I'm glad I didn't even try to go on Black Friday. I didn't do a thing. Um, I think the good sales really come later anyways, and um, that's a whole other story. Um, but if we're not careful, the holiday stuff, we'll fall vict- I fall victim to this at times. We're so busy with the family stuff and cooking the meals and all the stuff, and that's all good. I love giving presents to people. I love receiving presents. I love spending time with family and celebrating with them, enjoying that time. Um, but if we're not careful, we'll get distracted. And I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I want to remember Christ so much more fully at Christmas than I have in the past this year. I want to remember Jesus throughout the process. Presents, trees, carols, Santa, all, and so on, that's okay But as the people of God, we are called to be rememberers. I say this all the time. I joke. I finally watched um, Lion King for the first time with Davin. She's never seen the greatest Disney movie ever made. Um, and and, And Mufasa comes to Simba and he says, remember who you are. And I always call this the Mufasa principle that so much of the time we have in the Christian walk is not being taught something new, but we're being reminded of what we already know. We are called to be rememberers. And so this Christmas season, let's be rememberers. The better we do this, I believe the better our relationship with God is, our identity is, our understanding of our callings, and our impact on the world is so much greater when we remember and we walk in that relationship with him. This is why we do Advent, or we take the Lord's Supper, or we do church for that matter. Because we are called to remember, and that constant reminder brings us more and more revelation, and it leads us to worship and to serve the great and mighty King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. God with us. This, this helps us to understand that we can walk knowing that he keeps his promises, like we talked about today. He can do the impossible, like we talked about today. He's always with us like we talked about today, and how would that change how we live if we're fully aware of those truths throughout the Christmas season? My challenge to you is in the midst of Christmas, the Christmas season, how is your family going to intentionally remember Jesus? The God who became man, not just the baby being born, but the radical reality that the creator of the universe came in in this way to redeem all that had been lost and broken through our sin. That really is why Christmas season exists, to lead us to be rememberers of that great promise. Let's pray as we go into worship.